Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategy is built to make strategy work for small to medium-sized companies by designing world-class strategic plans, and more importantly, help keeping them accountable to actually get it done. Go to 40strategy.com to learn more. We are super excited that we have finally come up a way to get more than one-to-one interactions. We've created the Captain Strategy course. It's a group-oriented session that will walk you through our seven key principles to actually create your own strategic plan. Once again, to learn more, go to 40strategy. Well, with that, I'm super excited to talk about our first guest, David Wood. After life as a consulting actuary to Fortune 100 companies, David's built the world's largest coaching business, becoming number one on Google for life coaching. He believes the tough conversations we avoid are our doorways to confidence, success, and even love in both work and life. Uh, He has worked with so many different types of individuals from entrepreneurs, executives, and teams, and even prison inmates. And he creates amazing results one conversation at a time. He spent 20 years coaching thousands of entrepreneurs in 15 countries, and he knows on what to do matters, get there faster to help you be extraordinary. David, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. Thank you very much, Carl. And I want to correct something uh, that Becoming number one on Google for life coaching is a historical achievement. It's not current. Um, There's a big difference between I I made it to number one and I stayed at number one. Uh, It takes a lot of time to, to, you know, to maintain that. I think it was like two or three years I was there. But sometimes people slip that into becoming number one instead of became. So I just want to correct that. David, I appreciate that correction because that's a really fascinating concept, right? Of often we'll say we're a, you'll hear, let me clarify that, a bestseller or a number one on something. But what we don't know often is how long, right? Was that we were up in that plateau, you know, before uh, different things happened and took place. And, and yeah. so it is interesting, right? In the real world of, of, being on the top, it could be very short at times. Yeah. And for books, you have a bestseller and then it's understood that that was at one time and, and you, you keep that badge forever. We don't really have the same kind of uh, accolade for becoming number one on Google. So I sure. just, I did some really cool stuff in the past and uh, I, I'm doing some cool stuff now and they're not always the same. That's right. So David, why don't you tell us a little bit more about how you got into this consulting business and and what attracted you to it? Why did you want, why did you convert from going from being in fortune 100 businesses, right? And having a consistent, well-paying job, so to speak, and going into this world of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Thanks. It was an accident. I didn't, I didn't quit my job on, on park Avenue and, and say, I'm going to go and uh, you know, completely switch my careers. I was just going to take a break. So I, I quit and I went back to Australia and I was going to, um, I thought, well, I've got, you know, if I'm, if I've quit my job and I'm going to get an, get another job, I've now got an opportunity because once you're in a job, uh, you can't just say, I'm going to go travel for six months. 
And so I've always thought when you're in between jobs, you should take advantage of it. So I decided to, I, th I asked myself, what would I do? And this is a great question um, that sometimes I ask my clients. If you, if you had six months and could do anything you wanted, what would you do with that time? And my answer was, I, I've always wanted to be an entertainer and, and, and play guitar at the ski fields and, and be in a bar and walk around the crowd with a radio mic and play the guitar and get them singing Piano Man. And I would walk 500 miles. And so I, I did that. I, I quit and I hired a singing coach. And two weeks later, I, I got my first gig. And that's, I think that's uh, illustrative because it's a very competitive business, very difficult business to say, I'm going to sing, I'm going to entertain, I'm going to make money from it. And by the way, I didn't have any talent at singing. So I really had all the, all the counts against me. Uh, but over a year and a half, I accumulated $10,000 as an entertainer, which I think was, was pretty amazing. And it was a testament to my business and marketing skills. Uh, and while I was doing that, I discovered that coaching was becoming a career. It wasn't very known. This was in 1998. And I, I met a guy who was coaching. And I had been so inspired when I did Landmark edu edu Education. Did Landmark. And I, and I wanted to, I changed somebody's life overnight. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. How do I get better at this? And so they trained me a bit as a coach. And then when I found this business card from someone who said that he was doing a course and he was in coaching, I said, I'm going to hire you and I want you to be my, my first coach and I'll be your practice client. And a week later, I, I got my own practice client and uh, I was off and running. And that was, that was in 1998. And then I, about a year into that, I, I quit fully as an actuary. I resigned from the Institute of Actuaries of Australia, which was a really big deal because I sweat blood and tears to qualify as an actuary. And, uh, and then I, I let go of the, the entertainment business because I just wasn't making it, which brings up an, another point. If you're in something that's difficult, you really want to, you got you to know when to keep going and when to pull out all the stops so you can know that you gave it your all and when to quit and say, you know what, this isn't for me, or at least it's not, it's not going to make money for me in the short term. So it's going to be more of a hobby or a side gig. And I'm going to uh, do something that, that, that makes money. People are often asking me like, how do I know? Well, Seth Godin has a great book called The Dip and it's wonderful and just working out. What's it going to take to get to the good part? And as you know, I, I've now gone into the most competitive business on the planet, which is acting. And uh, it's fascinating to, to really look at, do I have what it takes and how long is it going to take to get to the good part? And when will I quit, if, if at all? And how do I penetrate through the noise and how do I keep going in the most difficult business on the planet? But I figure if you can do it in acting, you can do it in any business. Um, so it's fun to, to have that now and bring 25 years of business coaching to something like acting. And it's, it's very interesting. 
Yeah, so catching up to people who we, David and I had, a, we all nearly always have a qualifying conversation just to make sure we have great guests that come onto it. And 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 David was saying, I, I'm I'm doing acting for the first time. I was like, What are you talking about? He's like, No, I'm I'm going after it. I'm 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 going to try this out. Have been trying it out. You had been at the time. Let me clarify that. Trying to become an actor, and you have been finding very intelligent ways to get out to as many opportunities to be heard and to be seen. Uh, you At that time, I remember you showed pictures of being, you were Dracula at a, at a particular play, right. which was uh, really cool, the scenes that you had in that. And then, but now you've actually had a few gigs since that, that have actually made good money. Yeah. How long ago, how long ago was that? That we talked. I think it was like two months. It was like just like sixty days, I think. Oh wow. Okay. So yeah, since then I, I've gotten a, a manager. So now I'm represented. Uh, I think I had an agent back then. I got an agent in December, which is still pretty fresh for me. Uh, so now, between uh, Peter and Regina, they're getting me in rooms I wasn't getting in before. So I'm I'm now auditioning for General Hospital and Walker on CBS and Reservation Dogs and and a, and, a, and a movie coming out with Kevin Costner. I'm now getting in those rooms. Um, none of those have hit yet, but that's a win to do that. It's a win to get the representation. And yeah, I recently, someone sent me a casting call for a, a, a commercial that's going to run in Australia and they wanted all Australian accents and and native accents and so i went in and i auditioned for it and they cast me in the commercial in the in the main role i was the narrator so i had like five lines which is which is pretty good for a commercial a lot of commercials you have no lines or maybe one line and we went and we shot it for 12 hours and it was so much fun and i got paid i was telling you beforehand this one paid 27 times more than my last commercial which didn't pay a lot so don't get too excited but but the difference was like, oh, my God, this is what it feels like to be, be well paid. And I'm still less than two years into the business. And so I tracked these, this for a couple of reasons. One, to feel good about myself. But secondly, I'm look, I didn't just say I'm coming to Los Angeles. I'm going to be here for 20 years no matter what. I didn't say that. I'm not, that's not my thing. And I'm not, I'm not a masochist. Uh, so I, you know, I'm not going to just come and wait tables. And, and I have so much respect for people who do. My God, what most actors have to do and their side job and the hours they work to just scrape by for the privilege of auditioning. Whereas like 60 or 70 of those auditions are going to go nowhere out of, you know, you'll get one out of 60, maybe a hundred. And so I have so much respect for it. Fortunately, I don't have to do that but I'm not going to bang my head against a wall. And I was looking for, is the universe telling me, hey, yeah, you've got something here. Uh, keep going. And the answer, I think, is yes. To, to, to have such fast results, which I aimed for, is wonderful. Now, if it stays at this level, let's say I don't book anything for another year, yeah, we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll, I, I think I'll always keep acting because I love it, but I may put my attention on other things and do this more on the side but so far so good and i'm i really i'm looking forward to that first network thing it's tricky because i'm not in the union and to get in the union you have to convince someone to hire you on a union gig 
where they apparently have to fill out a bunch of paperwork or they pay a big fine. And so you got to get someone who likes the look of you and they can't find anybody else. And they're like, all right, we're going to, we're going to do the paperwork on this and then I'll become eligible. But for now I'm auditioning for all these things that are union-based and I'm not in the union. So it's a big barrier to, barrier to entry. And that's all right. I'll just keep playing the numbers game and keep going till I say, oh, we want, we want that guy for this. Do the paperwork. We'll get him in. Uh, it'll, it'll happen. It's only been the last two, three months. I've been getting in those rooms. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm talking myself into it. It'll happen. Just a little side note. It was interesting. You're talking about, you just been, had to go back and, and do your native accent of you know, Australia, right. For the commercial. Right. But right prior to this, you're like, Hey, help me make sure I'm speaking. And, TV American English, right? You're, you're working on the accents right now. That's a that's a challenge, right? You're you're trying to make sure, right, that your accent changes appropriately for different, I'm assuming, scenes that you're trying to do. Yeah, that's one of the ma many challenges of an actor. I'm I'm from Australia, so my native accent sounds like this. This is me talking with an Australian accent. Um, but uh, most of the roles here in Los Angeles that I'm auditioning for uh, American. So I'm working on my standard American accent. And the advice I got is don't just work on it when you're, you're doing your audition, your audition, but work on it all the time. You know, when you go out and you're speaking to people and you're speaking to your neighbors. And I, I had a, a, a coaching call call yesterday with a client and I just used an American accent. I'm like, I got to practice this. So it becomes second nature. I'll always be able to go back to my always, always Wait, I have trouble. I kept saying cost as cost, which is like a Midwest Western thing. And so I, I'm trying to like learn this new vowel cost, exhaustion, call, ball, soften. It's, it's in so many words and it's, it's, I always thought, oh, it's cost, it's soften. No, it's not. It's not that. That's right, so, yeah, David. I was, I was mentioning earlier, you know, my name used to be Kyle. I was from Boston originally, and it's Kyle, get over here. You know, park yeah. the car around the corner. You know, it, that, that's how we used to talk. That was how. But when I became moved to Oregon, it became Carl. This, this is your name. Right. It's like, whoa, no, no, I'm Kyle. You know, and, and so it's just fascinating, right, these little enunciations where you can tell where somebody's from and also how you speak, how it can open doors or close doors. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Even if I walk into a walk into a room and, and I say, would you like standard American or my native Australian accent? Now that now they're going to be listening for, wait, how's his American accent? Is it, you know, they might listen for something that's off. Whereas last week I walked in and I just, I just spoke with an American accent the entire time. And, and at the end, they asked me where I was from. And I said, Australia. And they're like, we were convinced you're American. I'm like, great, great. They weren't from America, so it wasn't too, too difficult. But um, yeah, I got I to gotta nail it. So it's just not an issue. And walk into a room. You ever watch Hugh Laurie? Hugh Laurie from, um, from England who did House. He was in House and he's in Avenue 5. Just as a flawless american accent and then switches straight into british and it's second nature so but it is an extra layer when i'm doing a scene i've not only got to remember the lines and 
sometimes the blocking of I got to do this and this happens and then I got to react to that and all of this. But now there's another layer. It makes sure that that the accent is is right as well. If it's a self-tape, I have plenty of opportunity to listen to it again. And I will from now on. I I, I that's my commitment. I will listen to every self-tape and just check that I got the vowels right. Let's talk about your coaching business here for a minute. I'm curious. You have done, why, why I'm excited to have you on is you have tried things and gone into things that you had relative to zero experience, you know, very little to zero experience, and then actually had some level of success getting towards something completely new, right? Where people might be scared. And one of the things people are most afraid of is to speak in front of people. And here you are, you know, acting, right? And, and doing things, once again, that are not what you were trained from, right? You were trained to be an actuary many years ago. So I'm curious when you work with your coaching clients, how much are you helping them do what you're doing? Meaning try something that they never consider doing and give them the confidence that they can get there. I love this question because I think you're getting to the heart of what I offer. Um, my mother says that when I was little, the best way to get me to do something was tell me it couldn't be done. And I'd be like, oh, really? And then I would go and find a way and do that thing. And then the landmark education helps so much. They want to generate a bunch of leaders in the world who are possibility generation machines, just constantly generating possibility. So people go, oh, I couldn't do that or that wouldn't work because of whatever. My brain goes, Hmm. Wait a minute. Let's just stop and and examine that assumption. What would it take? How could it be done? And as you said that, that I've gone into a bunch of fields with no experience and that were scary. I'm writing them down uh, for some reflection here. So becoming an actuary is one. I think it's one of the most difficult professions to qualify for. I, I haven't compared it to like aerospace engineering or anything like that, but I think compared to the medical field or becoming a lawyer or what, I think it's, it was really hard for me. And I, I came top of my school and got paid to go to college. It was really hard. Like I wish I hadn't attempted it. So I did that. And then the coaching completely new field speaking on stage, some people's biggest fear and I still get scared. I get terrified getting out in front of people, even a group of five people where I'm going to say my name and where I'm from. I get nervous. Um, book writing, writing and publishing a book, uh, stand-up comedy, improv is very scary. Walk out on stage in front of a paying audience and make up stuff. Uh, and then now acting. So yeah, I think it's to the core because I think anything's, Almost anything is possible. Now, doesn't mean you should try anything because I'm a very practical man too. I'm not just going to say, yeah, you can be a famous actor, go for it. It's a question of, are you willing to play that game and put in that time for something that has low odds, right? Are you willing to go through the dip? Um, and yeah, with my clients, they might not see because they're in their own world and they might not see uh, 
you know, like maybe they think I want to increase revenue by 20% this year. And I'm like, well, what would it take to double it? I mean, it's just, yeah. let's just, let's just play here. What would it take to double it? And what would the plan look like? And if it's not going to be too much trouble and too much effort, maybe follow that plan. And then I've got another, another client came to mind whose revenue is 20 million a year and wasn't making a profit. So in effect, it was a slight loss. And, and the challenge I put out, as I said, I'm challenging you to make a profit within 30 days. I want you to go from a slight loss to a slight profit because there's a big difference. You got to demonstrate to people that you are able to make a profit. He's like, I don't know. I had such low margin. I, I don't know how to do it. And I kept on pushing him to uh, come up with, I said, write a list of 20 ways you could do it. He's like 20. I said, yeah, because when you're thinking, oh, there isn't one, that's one way of thinking. But when you're like, I got to come up with 20, even if they're crazy. So he came up with it and he, he turned it around inside 30 days. Now, you know, it was only maybe, maybe 10,000 a month or 6,000 a month, but that's a big difference from a loss. Yes. And then you can start, start to, to grow that. Um, he also wasn't paying himself very well at all. And I'm saying, dude, there's a limit. I mean, be frugal. Yes. But you got 20 million in revenue. I think you can, you can drive around in a car that's reliable. We can, we can make that happen. Um, and then we started looking at how to really expand the value of the business uh, because there was such, oh, there was such low hanging fruit. My God, I, I've been on him in the last six sessions. I'm like, my God, you don't even know what you're missing out on here. And, and he hadn't seen it because he was so busy with all the other things and still doing well. I mean, come on, 20 million in revenue, but it could be the difference from zero profit to maybe, maybe two, three million profit a year would be, would be the difference maybe more. So I don't, I don't know if I answered your question, but um, yeah, I do try and help people with the things that they think are not possible. Even I just thought of another, another client who's um, has issues with her ex husband, constant issues in communication. It's very triggering for her. And my job is to look for what's possible. Like, what if you were, what, what if you were really nice to him and just tried that for a month? Like, what if, because I know what's possible. I know because I don't have the history with them. I know that people can change when we change. And so I'm like, what about this? And I mean, what kind of a difference can that make from, from something that's stressing you out and that you're losing sleep over to someone who's actually working with you on, on raising the kids? Yeah. So I think my answer is yes <laughs> to whatever your question was. Well, I... I want to hit a couple of things you said, because I think they're really important. Number one, I'm with you in that I'm a big fan of how many times we'll run within our clients and they're like, oh, I want to grow five or 10%. And it's like, just like what you said there, why not grow? Why not double? Why not grow 50%? Because often our actual effort will be the same. It's just the things we're doing to get there have to change. Yeah. Right. It's changing our habits. Yeah. And 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 but when you when we 
benchmark ourselves on our quote unquote current situation, this is who we are, it often limits ourselves. You have to have some level of where can we go and forget about your current restrictions, right? Because our current restrictions that hold us back from extraordinary achievement often. I literally just wrote this right before this podcast. Grant Cardone had this post talking about extraordinary goals. And I literally just talked about this concept of common methodologies and strategic planning. Literally, we do the situation analysis or SWOT, strengths, weakness, opportunities, and threats, and we anchor ourselves there and don't dream about where we can go. You know, John F. Kennedy never said go to the moon. We would have never gone to the moon. Because we literally had computers that are less than an iPhone back then. Yeah. And I'm guilty of it too. It's not, it's not like, because I'm a coach, I see everything in my life and business. No, I need my coach to point that out. Um, See, with all my focus on, on acting, uh, I'm coaching less clients right now, but I still, when people show up um, and they're a good fit, I still take, take them on and really enjoy it. But my brain isn't, looking for ways to generate revenue. You often don't look for it when you don't need it. You say you want it and you say, I wish I had more money, but until you sit down and say, right, write down 20 ways I can do it. We're going to create a strategy session, which often doesn't happen until you get a coach. But if you can do it on your own, great. Um, I know if I want to build my coaching practice, I, I know Today, I know, I didn't know this a month ago, but I, I realized simple thing I could do is reach out to every podcast host uh, that I've been on their show, which is like over 300 now, and say, hey, I got this cool webinar I'm really into. Um, do you want to run it for your list? And we'll deliver some value on how to double revenue. And uh, if anyone decides they want to work with me, I'll give you a piece of it. I could do that. And some people would go, oh, I like that topic. That'd be great. Let's do it. I deliver value to my list and I get paid. Um, But that thought didn't come to me in the last year when I've been focused on, on acting. It just didn't happen. And then it popped into my head when I started putting my attention on it. So when you, I find that when I hire a coach or when people hire me, it's a way of saying, I want my subconscious and my conscious creating goals that'll make me happy and then working towards those goals and yeah. being more deliberate about business and life. That's, that's the difference. Instead of just yeah. being reactive, I'm going to be more deliberate about it and see where that takes me. And as you see, I'm, I'm doing that uh, with the acting instead of, oh, you know, I, I'll just hope or I'll wish. It's like, no, being incredibly deliberate. And I keep asking, how can I go faster? I just told you before we hit record, I think I've just worked out how to go even faster. It'll look slower in the short term, but I think it'll get me five to 10 times ahead, possibly. Um, How do you do it? And that takes, you you miss that stuff. I'd, I'd missed it until... I've been thinking about it, but I hadn't done it, which is another thing we can we could talk about. Knowing it and doing it is two separate things. It's not until someone with authority, authority, see, I just said authority, but I'm not, we're not from the Midwest right now. So someone with authority, I didn't know that till yesterday, um, told me 
you know what? If I had this over again, I would work on relationships first and worry about auditions second. I needed to hear that and go, okay, that confirms what I, what I thought of. That's what I'm going to do. That's a massive shift. Instead of like 20, 30 audition tapes a week, no, just tracking casting directors and producers and what they're working on in their lives and commenting on their posts and uh, sending little congratulations and just being in touch with people. And then it seems amazing to my mind that that, that could work better than doing uh, 500 audition tapes. But I, I actually believe people keep saying it, relationships are everything. Yeah, but who actually lives that? Mm. Who actually lives? I'm going to set aside a half day every week, which I just did, and and spend that half a day on outreach. And I'm calling it loving people up. Mm. I, so knowing it, so first we got getting the focus uh, and being deliberate. And then we've got knowing it and doing it are two very different things. And the way of saying what we've been talking about is you can't read the label from inside the jar. Hmm. I want to go back to something you said earlier, because I think it's fascinating. You, you were talking about one of your clients had a $20 million company, wasn't making money. And secondly, they were barely paying themselves a reasonable income. Right. This is, so I just want to just big, this is not uncommon. It is not uncommon for what appears to be on the outside, a successful entrepreneur or CEO, and they are literally taking home money that they could probably make working at a local convenience store yeah. or working at a, and, and they're, they're starving themselves in this dream and they haven't figured out how to get to profitability. I loved it. How you talk with them of like, we got to change this. And one of the reasons we love Mike McCallowitz and we work with Profit First because- Right, yeah. I was just you know, going to mention his book. Yeah, you got to have that concept of Profit First. We have to be doing from the first thing to make money first. So yeah. I just wanted to comment on that just because I think it's, you you see this often, don't you? Um, yeah, it's come up a lot. And and my clients, I haven't read Mike's book, but I really like Mike and he's um, they say great things about the book. So my understanding is it has has the reader shift their mindset to say all right i've got to pay myself first now with it look with this client i want to clarify if he'd been if he'd been had revenue of like say 30,000 a year or 50,000 a year like okay maybe you eat ramen for a while uh so you can put your money back into the business and grow an asset yeah i'm all fine but when you got 20 million I'm like, dude, you've gone a bit too far around this. Your business is not going to notice if you if you pay yourself another five thousand and just live, you know, live peacefully and well. Okay, you don't, you know, you can still scrimp and save and put the money back into the business because he's building an asset. Great, you just you've just gone too far. <laughs> That's what I said. And because he hadn't had the mindset of generating a profit, he was able to be a bit loose with some of the expenditure and whatever. And he just hadn't been disciplined about it. Plus he'd missed a huge profit-making opportunity. The, the business was running on such fine margins, but it didn't have lead capture. 
It was just oh, wow. getting sales. It wasn't doing lead capture. So when I discovered this, I can you imagine my excitement for him? I'm like, dude, when you start capturing your leads of the people who come to your website and then start loving them up and building a relationship with them and selling them, plus what he's selling is low margin. So I'm like, what if you then sold to that list something that was high margin? You know, you're breaking even on the low margin product. Great. Now here's where you're going to make your money is selling. And so it's funny. I didn't go to do an MBA. I trained as an actuary and I'm good with risk analysis and I'm good with systems, but someone who's outside of you might ask a question that you just, I once had a therapist who said to me, you, you have trouble with noise at night and sleeping. Why don't you try a white noise machine? And my brain went, nope, tried it, didn't like it. That's what my brain went, did, tried it, didn't like it. Then, thank God, a second uh, thought, thought, came, thought came in that said, well, hang on, it's been a while. See, here's someone with authority saying, why don't you try a white noise machine? It was enough to just punch through the automatic. And I said, well, it's been a, a long time since I did that. Maybe I should try it. And so... I did. I tried it and I put it on during the day so I could get used to it and filter it out. Every day now for the last six years, every night, that's what I do. That helps me sleep. I don't need to use earplugs here. I like it. Even last night, I started really listening to it for the first time. And I was like, I can hear little raindrops in there. And I imagined I was in an underground cave with this beautiful grotto and pool and whatever. But I had assumed that that wasn't going to work because I'd already discarded it. So sometimes someone outside you, yeah, can can help you go, oh, yeah, okay, okay. I'll be talk, talking to my coach and coach will just, we'll be talking about something and I'll just, I'll say, all right, it's time. I've known for some time I should stop eating, buying ice cream. I'm going to stop buying ice cream. Boom. Okay. I'm paying for this session. I might as well get value out of it. All right. I'll stop doing the damn thing. Okay. I've been saying I'm going to run. I'll write down. Uh, coach isn't doing it. I'm doing it, but I'm like, okay, because I'm talking to my coach, I'll write down, uh, run 4 PM. I'll set my alarm for 4 PM every single day and I'll get myself and my dog out and see if it helps with my sleep. Okay. Boom, 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 boom. All the coach has got to do is sit there and watch but it's having the container, I think, that, I, that, that can really make a difference. And most of your listeners, if you've ever worked with a coach, you know exactly what I'm, I'm talking about. Yeah. And what's so fascinating, as you know, is so few people find a coach and find somebody for that extra. I, I was yesterday working with a brilliant leader who has doubled his company and just allowing him to see things a little bit differently just by letting him to echo some of his thoughts, right? And to go, oh, I hadn't considered that beforehand. He's like, now I can take our plan to the next level. But he needed that, right? He needed that breakthrough comment because in once again, I go back to in our own mind, we constrain ourselves so consistently. Yeah. And I just had a, a whole thing download into my brain about investment. You know, if you do um, 
there's a game called the rat race i think is kiyosaki did this game and you have to get out of the rat race and to do that you have to take some risks and you have to invest to get into the middle of the board and i realize say let's use acting as an example i've come to this with 25 years business experience so i'm investing in a lot of things that that other actors are not because they they're scrimping and saving and i understand it but the question is, is it likely to provide me with a return? And so if it is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm paying for that course. I, I didn't want to pay the money for a dialect coach yesterday. I got a friend who'll correct me for free, but I invested to get a professional and record it and work on it because I know it's going to pay off, pay off. And then, um, I'm, I'm going to see a craniosacral specialist today because investing in my body and my health is 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 critical so i see all the money going out right but uh, and i'm making a loss on acting but i'm playing a different game i'm looking at the end game and and i don't know how much time i have for this maybe maybe i'll i'll be in la for another year maybe 20 10 i don't know but it's making me keep look at what makes me go faster and doing some kind of an immersive program can make you go faster. Uh, working with a mastermind group where you've got accountability can help you go faster. Uh, and working with some kind of coach who knows what they're doing can help you go faster. So that's, if, if you're not in interested in going faster, you probably should ignore a lot of what I, I say. But if you want to go faster and fly higher, these are some of the ways that I have found to do it. So David, this has been an awesome conversation. I, I haven't asked you, which I love to ask. And perhaps I'll just do an open question because you are involved in so many different aspects. But how do you measure success? Am I feeling good? That's my measure of success. And, you know, yesterday lying in bed coding on this program, having a cup of uh, coffee with my dog, dog snuggled up next to me, I realized this feels good. I'm having a good time. That's successful to me. Last night watching TV, uh, you know, I had a drink. I smoked some weed which is legal here in California, FYI. And uh, I was watching some uh, Impractical Jokers, which is, just makes me laugh so much, I nearly cry. And I was just realized I'm just really enjoying myself. I'm having a good time. That's success. So if that is success for you, or maybe it's feeling, a certain, feeling love, or maybe you want to feel joyful, but how do you want to feel? And then I think the game we're all playing, although we're not always conscious of it, is how do I have more of those moments? What would it be? And we think by default, we assume if I'm making more money, that'll give me more of those moments. It's not always true. So I, once someone had had us sit down and write, how do we want to feel at the end of the year? And then like as often as possible, how do we want to feel what activities, what things will have me feel like that? 
And then we set the goals out of that. And sometimes I have my clients do it that way. It's because I just want to feel good and happy. And often it's making a difference in someone's life. Uh, recently, it's when I'm performing and I'm on camera and I'm doing a great job. Um, yeah, I'm going to be so happy when that commercial comes out. Watch for it, everybody. It's going to be uh, May 1. I think it's going up on, on YouTube. It's going to run in Australia. So you won't see it on TV in America, but they'll put it on YouTube on the Squarespace channel. And it should be really fun uh, for Aussie audiences. David, you have a book. Uh, first, we're going to talk about your book just briefly, if you could just do a minute. Mouse in the Room, just for our, uh, a one minute. What is What does that mean? What is What is Mouse in the Room? What are people going to get by reading your book? Yeah, it's called it's called Mouse in the Room because the elephant is not alone. And it's I wrote it because I found in my life and for my clients that when we are more expressed, when we can actually speak our truth and find out what's happening for us, not just the elephant in the room, but the mice in the room, could be any thought or feeling or even a body sensation that you're having that hasn't been named. When you can identify that and speak it, life tends to get better. It's a little scarier to do that. Uh, and the book is about pushing through that, that unknown and that fear and having the courage to say, hey, you know, I did feel disappointed when that happened. Or can we talk about something that feels between us, something feels off? Uh, can we talk about what happened last week? Or I have a desire mouse. You might not say mouse, but I have, you know, I have a desire and I wanted to talk about it, see if it's something you'd be on board with. You know, I'd like you to come to meetings on time. What do you think about that? Uh, it's great. It's, it's a very general book in that it can be applied to your relationships, your kids, your partner, your, uh, your boss, managing up your, your, your staff, your coworkers, um, anybody. And if, if here's my plug for it. Um, when you don't do this, it eats away at you in some way. If, if it's really bad, you'll lose sleep and you'll be stressed and, you know, you're just having a terrible time. And I know what that's like. It's, it still happens for me sometimes. But now it usually happens just with the really big things. With the smaller, smaller things, I'm, I'm able to follow the process in the book, the 3D process, and just go through that worksheet, boom, 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 even have it in front of me and then have the conversation with somebody and boom, it's handled and life gets better. And often we, uh, often we feel closer. So now I've asked the question, what is a book that inspired you that you'd like to share with others? This is not a self-help book. This is a, a fiction book, but I'm going to share it because it stands out and it's my favorite. And I've read it three or four times uh, and, and uh, listened to the audio book three or four times. It's called, it's called, called, called. Yeah. That's how you say it called name of the wind. Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. And it's a fantasy book. It's about a young guy who's uh, pretty badass. And he's a showman. He likes to show off and he knows it. And he wants, he's like, if I'm going to be an arcanist, I might as well be a famous arcanist. And so he's a real stage man and showman and a good heart. And I, I just wish this author had written 3,000 books so I could read them all. But he's written like two and a bit. And I don't think we're ever going to get the third I don't think he, it's been like 10 years we've been waiting for it. There's talk about making a film with HBO. 
of it. And man, if I could star in that film, when that watch this space, that that is a, a dream of mine. I'd love to play his his uh, older character, the older version of himself in the film. Thank you. David, how can people connect and learn more about you? Thank you. you uh, they can go to mouseintheroom.com. Um, if you if you want the book, mouseintheroom.com. If you are interested in coaching with me, I have a really great intake form, which will ask you some probing questions. It takes about five minutes. But even if you decide not to get on my calendar, I encourage you to fill in that form because it'll ask you what you want, what you want and what's getting in the way. Uh, and mouseintheroom.com, you can go there and just go to the top and click on coaching and click apply for coaching. Even if you don't know if coaching's for you or for a fit, click on apply for coaching and it'll take you to that form and then take you to my calendar and you can book a, a call. And if you qualify, and by qualifying, you just have to be serious about coaching and you're already doing well in your business. You're up and running, you're, you're getting revenue, already doing well, and you, you want to go further in business and life. That's how you qualify. I don't charge you for the session. Uh, so mouseintheroom.com, you can uh, reach out to me. And if you've got a question for me, if there's any way I can help you, I'm going to give you my email address. Please do not add me to your mailing list. I like to opt in and have choice around that. But if you want to reach me, this is how to do it. David at mouseintheroom.com will reach me. You might have to do a spam challenge uh, and then it'll get right to me and I'd be really happy to help. Perfect. Thank you, David. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you as a guest on the Measure podcast today. Thanks, mate. It's good to see you again, Carl. Absolutely. And to everyone else who's listening, thank you so much for being uh, here and listening. I hope you've enjoyed David's really inspiring journey that he's had throughout his life and that he's helping with others. Well, I encourage you to take a look at Mouse in the Room and to check out more about him. So with that, as we always say, wishing you the very best and measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.